Alpert and Timo DeBrass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraph Studio. My guest on this edition of Fangraph Studio is a senior editor at Fangraphs.com. Making one of his uh, roughly monthly appearances is Jeff Sullivan. Jeff Sullivan. And what follows, uh, Jeff Sullivan does not analyze all baseball. Uh, indeed, much of the conversation which follows uh, is of an irreverent nature, but not unpleasant. Uh, not unpleasant, for example, uh, Jeff Sullivan uh, discusses an above-ground pool he had in San Diego, an above-ground pool which he claims uh, somehow was not trashy, uh, was not trashy, which might contradict everything you know and I know about above-ground pools. Uh, we do conduct, at one point, we do conduct a, a melancholy brainstorming session for Sullivan's next article. His next post, uh, none of the ideas uh, which he uses, it should be said. And finally, not the only other topic uh, we discussed, but the most, probably the most important, uh, Sullivan reveals some information about the eating habits of uh, Fangraph's founder and CEO and ruthless captain of industry, David Appleman. Has a diet consisting, perhaps not exclusively, but mostly of uh, bone marrow. More exciting uh, information about that and what follows. Uh, what is what is not following, what is occurring right now, is a brief mention, a brief note on our sponsor, which is Draft. Draft and the Draft app. Are you familiar with these daily fantasy games, which I'm saying like like my grandfather for some reason? I, have you seen these games? They're daily fantasy games. Uh, DraftKings has them. FanDuel has them. Um, the only one that has been made for truly mobile, for your truly mobile device, is Draft. And Draft is available uh, for iOS at the App Store. It's available for Android through Google Play, for example. What you do is easy. It is available for baseball, for NFL, for college football. You find an internet person, either a random one or a friend of yours, and you conduct a snake draft. You each select five players, and then you receive fantasy points as you would in any other fantasy game. Do I play it? Uh, yes, in, on the one hand because I'm contractually obligated to. On the other hand because... It's it's pleasant. It's pleasant and easy simultaneously. For example, just this last week, I've had the privilege of losing uh, to a number of Fangraphs audio listeners. For example, most excellent bro, John underscore VL, JRod86. This is a brief sampling of all the people uh, who have <laughs> felt the joy of victory by playing against me. So what is it? it is, that is the Draft app. It is the Draft app. It's available, as I say, the App Store, Google Play. You download it. It benefits the show. Do I know how precisely? No, but it benefits the show. Okay, that is the note about draft and the draft app. I've already told you about Jeff Sullivan, so let's get to that conversation. It is Fangraphs Audio. It does feature Jeff Sullivan, and it begins right now. Can I please talk with you? This is this is chuckling. This isn't talking. How are you doing? What do you got there? Oh, uh, <coughs> I'm just gonna cough a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you I'm an adult who gets ear infections uh-huh. um, because I have a narrow eustachian tube. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think I I had an I definitely had an ear infection at the beginning of August, and I took the proper antibiotics. Well, I don't know if they were the proper antibiotics because I went to I went to kind of a little bit. Of a scrappy hospital or like a uh-huh. scrappy local place and like uh, an apothecary, <laughs> yeah, not that level, but I live in a rural area and yeah. I could have gone to a place that's slightly less rural, but they were like, well, we have an appointment at this one of our outposts, <laughs> and so I went there and the person who provided my care, 
she was like, well, you just really need to take amoxicillin. And I was like, and I said in my head, I said, that's not what I've taken in the past. But then I said, that's just annoying when you tell that to a doctor or whatever. And uh, But anyway, it turns out, so the infection itself went away, but there was still somehow swelling. And now I, my infection's back. So that's what you know about me. <laughs> it's always fun to uh, initially in the podcast discuss medical conditions that are afflicting one or both of, <laughs> yeah. of those participating. What do you uh, what was the, what do you think was the last time you got an ear infection? You ear you, infection? You, you, yeah, you're what? You're, you're almost thirty. You're close to thirty. I think I can. <coughs> now I'm coughing. You got me. I think that uh, I have. I can never recall having an ear infection, but for one time, uh, when I had what I found out was swimmer's ear, because uh, I had a pool. I didn't have a pool. My mother had a pool, and I was a child who lived with my mother. And I remember I went for a swim one day, and then I went to sleep, like you do, uh, not in the pool, but afterwards. Yeah. And then I woke up the next morning. I was supposed to be flying to Seattle to visit with my uncle, and I woke up in what I still recall as being the worst pain of my life, in one of my ears. Oh. I let my mother know about it in the way that children do, and then annoyingly, uh, very annoyingly, I actually had to close the windows uh, in my office because these goddamn kids who live next door are about home from school, and then they just make a ruckus. There's four of them, four of them, and two parents live in one townhouse, and then they just well, whatever. This is off the subject. Summer's here. His last time I was. Hey it, Jeff, it, Jeff, was, let me interrupt. Uh, oh, Jeff, hold on. No, I have to interrupt you. You have a bit of a computer voice. Yeah. Are you running programs or anything like that? No. No, mm-hmm. this is just the only one. Right, maybe it's getting better. I see a, a call quality information that asserts that my internet connection is slow. Oh. Uh, well, let's we'll see what happens, I guess. I don't believe it. I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I think I was just browsing the internet fine. It's all right. I didn't have anywhere to go. Ear infection, probably 14 or 15. Whenever I was last reading Dostoyevsky. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And, yeah. then, and then what happened? And then I was fine. Wait, was it ear infection or swimmer's ear? Well, it was swimmer's ear, which I took to be some sort of ear con. Look, let's go with the broader umbrella term of ear condition. Ear condition, yeah. And I had an ear condition. I have another ear condition, which is that they're they kind of stick out. Is one that uh, uh, a lovely young girl named Jacqueline delighted in pointing out to me in high school. Yeah. Made me not the least bit self-conscious in the middle of Spanish class. <laughs> Freaking Jacqueline. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Jacqueline, where are you now with your perfect ears? You know, you know where Jacqueline is right now. Where? Failed attempted pop star. That's beautiful. Oh man, I have yeah. a feeling that's the job description of a lot of people who grew up in Southern California. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> it's uh, it's not limited to a handful. Right. Is it maybe is everyone's future job possible future pop star? And then really, you be whatever you become, regardless of what you become when you're older, whether it's you know real estate agent. Or you know, <clears throat> uh, whatever the other jobs are, <laughs> I can't uh, imagine them. But tractor we, trailer repairman. Yeah, you're just you're not really that job. What you are is just failed pop star. Yeah, we are we are all of us failed better things than than we are. But I, I think have to think that there. So right, I think that's actually a great point you're making. Is that I think that uh, I don't know. I have I have no knowledge if it is if it is a if it is a quality unique to our time and or our country. But I will know that I also have the sense that, uh, yes, everyone's just walking around as the failed <laughs> as if as the thing that they failed to be. Yeah. And I have also notions about the old world. And I don't even know where the old world is precisely. 
but I know I have a notion like in where my family came from in Italy. They're just there. They're just like, eh, we like the pasta. And that's all they're <laughs> saying. And they just always – and they just are – they are what they always knew they were going to be. And even if that is not a particularly high-profile way of living, at least you do not have you're – not, you're just not encumbered by disappointment. Yeah, it's ambition. Ambition is a killer. Oh, it's so you, terrible. Because you never know when it's enough. I think that this is a, this is a legitimate big problem, and this I think this had the potential to be a a humorous conversation. But for real, hashtag real talk. <laughs> I think that we are we're raised to aspire, and to some extent that's necessary because otherwise we're just not going to do anything but poop in our hands and live in the woods, or mm-hmm. poop in the woods and live in our hands. I don't know which one makes more sense. But you you're supposed to to drive yourself to achieve more and to want more and then when do you when do you stop and look around and think I've done enough? Yeah, like, when are you when I'm, are you satisfied? Yeah. Well this drives, this drives dissatisfaction and so many, I was just reading an article this morning about uh Khalil Green. You might remember Khalil Green as yeah, a baseball player. Khalil Green, yeah. yeah. He was a he was a he was a shortstop with power. Yeah, he was a shortstop with power, uh, awesome in Clemson. People think he's the, one of the best college baseball players they've ever seen, and he had a, a really good season or two with the Padres, I don't remember, and then he wound up with the Cardinals where he didn't do anything, and he, he walked away from baseball after a minor league contract with the Rangers. Anyway, he's disappeared off the face of the earth, and he is, uh, I think, an extreme version of this, but as we were saying, that we're all just failures of something more grand than what we actually are. If you think even the highest tier of performers or achievers, you have Khalil Green starting major league shortstop millionaire, and he would he would genuinely hurt himself deliberately on the field after he after what he considered to be a misplay or a mistake. Like if he didn't get a hit or if he made an error or if he was late to make a throw, he would hurt himself in a small way, but he was he was that disfat dissatisfied with his lot in life, even though he had achieved mm-hmm. something that like a few thousand people have achieved ever, maybe. And if Khalil Green, if Khalil Green can't be okay, what hope do we have? As <laughs> well, ourselves? I do think that uh, it does. It does seem to me that the most successful. I mean, we'll, we could talk about baseball players specifically, but uh, the most successful ones, um, or or there's the sort of famous example of um, you know Michael Jordan, who was more, who was driven more by a was by his own account uh, driven more by the fear of losing than success. Yeah, it does seem as though it requires a um, what might otherwise be regarded as a like a psychological defect, right? No. Uh, in order to propel yourself to those sorts of heights. Yeah, and I mean we must all have. If you could plot ambition on like a one to one hundred scale, we must all I guess zero to one hundred, whatever. There's stoners. We must all have some like natural, true talent, if you will, level of ambition that's in us. I don't know how much of that is is born and how much of that is is nurtured into us, but uh, I would assume that to be even a a semi-professional athlete, you have to have a higher than average level of ambition, or perhaps a lack of ability to do anything else. But I don't know. How ambitious are you, and how ambitious do you think that you were 10 years ago? Oh, I'm, my ambition, my level of ambition has declined considerably. <laughs> yeah, it got it got real. It used to be quite high, but then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I was cut down by my own my own <laughs> brain. It was like, no, no, not for you. 
Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> terrible. It's and it's life is so much better now without yeah. having to deal with that. But here's the other thing, though. Now, I think uh, so. Like one thing that frightens me a lot, right, is paying the rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and but another thing that frightens me almost as much is the prospect of having to work. Yeah. Right. But you need you need unless you're in a particular situation, you basically need to work in order to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. So these these are two fears that I feel like one is always <laughs> up against. And the problem is, people um, landowners have really figured this out. The nicer places to live, like the places where when you're living in them, you feel it's not a one to one. It's not you know it's not a perfect correlation. But generally, those places where you want to live. Where you can, for me, it would at least it would be where I can walk around, and there are people and there are shops. Those places tend to be more expensive, mm-hmm. and but and yet I think of those as places that would also facilitate happiness. So yeah, that's a real that's a real bitch of a problem, Jeff Sullivan. <laughs> that nicer things require more. Yeah, on your part. Yeah, yeah. But like now, I don't know. It doesn't have to be. I'm not looking for luxury. You know. Right. It's looking to live in the in the city. That's why I, you know, it is where you do live in a fortunate uh, circumstance. And my guess is that this is not a, a totally this is not a phenomenon totally unique to us. On account of um, I know other people do it in other fields, but we work uh, we work f- on the internet, and uh, you can do that from mostly anywhere. Yeah, although I found out the other week when uh, when my internet was mysteriously down that I cannot work from from anywhere. In theory, I can. I yeah. can go to a coffee shop and, and log on to the Wi-Fi and do whatever the crap is that I do for Dave Cameron to make money, or I guess right now for you as the editor, whatever. But what I found out was that in coffee shops, there's noise uh, and people conversing with one another. Oh, you don't work well with noise? Oh my God, no, not even a little bit. Oh yeah. Even even going back to college, I would have to like close my window and turn off all music or or distractions just to do a paper or a report. And now, if one of those kids from next door starts screaming for his mother, even when he's in a good goddamn mood, then it's like I can't concentrate. I completely lose my train of thought on what I'm writing about, and that is uh, that is a problem. I'm adjusting. Yeah. I've lived in this place for a month and a week, and uh, and the kids are in school. Yeah. And uh, it's only probably like another 13 years until they all go to college, so I think yeah, I can make it. Not too bad, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, distractions are they're not I, so that's good. That's too bad. I, uh, I actually appreciate the din. I, I, I like it, like the sort of low-level low, low level of conversation. You can never really hear, pick out any specific words, but you just hear general conversation. That's actually quite, that's quite soothing for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny. We're different people, Jeff. <laughs> we have different let's tastes. celebrate our differences. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. But let's, <clears throat> you know, uh, yeah. you know, here's a good example because I'm looking at it. Uh, the level of of Carson's ambition. So uh, when you call me on Skype, then you, uh, as we've talked about before, you have a picture of when you were on MLB Network. An embarrassing, uh, an embarrassing. Uh, and a, uh, uh, what image, some might yeah. consider to be a humiliating image of oneself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you did that, and I think a lot of people would be like, "Oh my God, television! I aspire to." do more but the sense and maybe i'm wrong but the sense i got from you was like eh i did it neat but it's not it's not a goal of yours to to reemerge on television over and over yeah the thing is like if television if that were obviously a way to make it enough because 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 having money is way better than having fame right Mm -hmm. and if if you're a person on television 
then you, well, the, that's a certain type of faith. I, I was talking, I was trying to explain to someone. He had, I think he had seen that whatever that clip, and yeah. um, he was like, "Well, that's pretty impressive." And I was like, "I was like the package, the the cable package you need in order to receive the channel on <laughs> which I appeared and which you have appeared is like I don't even know if they offer that in my region." <laughs> Do you understand? Like, like you, it's something that I mean, it is a very robust cable package that you need. <laughs> so it's it's like not that impressive. It's not like being actually. Uh, <clears throat> before I was not invited back, uh, at, one point, <laughs> at one point I was a student at Columbia University, and I was um, a member of the of Six Milks, which was a, which was a comedy improv team there. And um, actually, I just found out this past week one of my colleagues or whatever comedy improv group members uh it was a woman named michelle remember she was in michelle collins she joined my sophomore year she's now one of the hosts of the view oh yeah that's that's network yeah, yeah. that'll pay for oh. that'll pay those bills yeah that's fame and money so congratulations to michelle collins uh yeah she was really funny she's a hulking jewish woman from miami <laughs> <laughs> um she's 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 i just remember her being taller than me she's i think she's at least six feet tall uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She was, uh, yeah, she was very fun. I had fun with her. But yeah, she just she's involved with comedy, and now she's on the View, <laughs> which is its own form of comedy. I think I don't remember if I was talking to you, if I listened to you, or if this is unrelated. But there's a uh, a confusion a lot of people have where they just associate uh, fame with money, mm. and they think that if people know who you are, that therefore you must uh, be very successful. Because I think people want to be famous, and then they think maybe fame is an end goal in itself. It is not. It is not an end goal. Uh, I I think a great number of people, although maybe we have a disproportionate understanding of this, but a great number of people are familiar with fan graphs. None yeah. of us are wealthy, except maybe the uh, the man in charge of it, who is wealthy for reasons other than operating fan graphs. Yeah, because of all uh, the contract murders. He, he's yeah. I mean, I don't know. Were we allowed to say that? I think there's a statute of limitations. I mean, I think there. people have been wondering where all the baseball <laughs> prospectus employees have been going. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not a coincidence that Stan Miller has basically disappeared. This is all, yeah, the book. It was a brilliant cover for the witness protection. So I think. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, no, it's no coincidence. It's called the Sonoma Stompers. That's right. that's how that's how David Affleman and his minions tend to carry out their executions. It's a very particular style of execution where whereupon he calls for an elephant to stomp a man to death. Yeah. It's uh Yeah, but I think the most grim one was when he uh, the whimsical. elephant didn't arrive and so he just had to stomp a man to death. Yeah, I was think you know that's actually a way you can kill people is just by stomping them. Yeah. Yeah, he's a uh, strong legs, strong quads. Let me ask you a question. The David pool Eppelman. you had when yeah. you were living in San Diego was it above or below ground? Uh, that would be above. <laughs> partially, partially above, partially below. Whoa, really? Yeah. Yeah, like a stadium. What are you talking about? Oh, I see. Wait a second. Partially above. So when you think above ground pool, like I, I've heard of a uh, comedian who has a joke about this, but there's when you think above ground pool, don't you picture like the cylinder that's just like on the lawn or something? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that. It was a lap pool. It was just long and narrow like your eustachian tube and <laughs> it was partially dug into the ground but mostly above ground but it had a wooden deck and it was quite nice okay what were the like the size were they like a cloth or were they something more robust 
the sides? Yeah, the sides of the pool. Like if you touch well, there's the like, side. There's pool lining, which was it is concrete? a very... Was it like it concrete was not, behind it? There was not concrete. It was wooden. And I remember the pool lining was uh, particular in that if you punctured it, then the pool drains and then your mother yells at you. But there was like a, a redwood deck, which in retrospect I should have protested, but I did not before I was young. Uh, there was, I have a vivid memory. That it was like a 40 foot or 50 foot long pool. I don't know, just long. I was young. And it was, I don't know, maybe four and a half or five feet wide. But there was a deck, a short deck, short deck, whatever. Thin, narrow, I can't think of adjectives. Along the there's whole a side? There's a deck along the whole side up against a retaining wall. So there was like a, a whole pool area. Then there was a wall straight down. Then a short deck uh, that was like four feet wide. And then the pool. And the deck, I didn't really think about when it was installed, but the deck was hollow underneath. So it was like there was a cave underneath the deck. And below that wood, which was inaccessible, there was just like dirt and crap that you would never see because it was covered by a deck. And there were just very narrow, thin slats or slots in between the planks of wood that you could see what was underneath the deck if you had like a flashlight or direct oh, sunlight. Oh, that was horrifying. Well, I was never down there. I was, I never crawled. Yeah, uh, never crawled through, but you peeked. Yeah, I did peek. And one day I remember peeking and seeing a thing looking back at me. <laughs> and so I looked, a bit, I looked down there and I saw eyes and I thought, well, that's curious. And then the eyes moved, and I thought, curious or still? Yeah. And I got my brother's attention, and what we did, I have this memory where my brother and I came, uh, he came to meet me in the pool area, and then we flushed what turned out to be a family of raccoons out from underneath the deck. Yeah, so I, we, that we is, flushed. there's nothing more obvious than raccoons living under this, this space yeah. that you've, decided, you've described. Yeah, this was, this was exactly the example everybody has with the deck. It's raccoons or badgers. And so we flushed out the raccoons, and what I remember, because I was a child, was that all the raccoons, maybe four or five of them, and my brother and I, played in a circle and, uh, at the entryway of the deck. <laughs> they circled around us, and we laughed, and we jumped, and we screamed, and we smiled, and we had fun with the raccoons. But as I look back now, what I think is what was probably more likely is that the raccoons were agitated and trying to inflict said agitation upon us yeah and we were we were jumping around trying not to get bitten and scratched by the raccoons that we had just scared out dangerous yeah da- they were protecting the themselves yeah so uh oddly i have no memory of how that experience concluded but i do know that we had like a little maypole situation with with a family of raccoons just dancing in circles and uh you, have, yeah, you I, this is in san diego this is in San Diego. You have raccoons in San Diego, I guess, is one thing. We're uh, at least four or five of them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to imagine. I know one, uh, with the, um, you get a lot of maybe like lizards too, right? Oh, yeah. Hmm. How about scorpions? Never seen one in the wild. Okay. Tarantulas. What are you talking about? Yeah, there's tarantulas up in, at least I've seen them in like rural, more rural, rural. northern San Diego County. Yeah. It's a big county. Unlike Mount Palomar, I don't know if you are familiar with Palomar Observatory or Palomar Water or Mount Palomar itself, but there's a, I knew a man who lived up there and there were tarantulas around. That's the whole story. And you saw it, but you saw some of them. Yeah, they cross uh, in front of cars in the road and they're basically just little furry animals. They're like real things. You don't, it's important for any animal, for its protection from humans, it's important to be too big for a human to willingly want to stomp on 
you, and tarantulas are beyond that that line. Most spiders yeah. are below that line, so people would just think, "Oh, spider, kill it, smash it." But a tarantula, like you, you ruin your shoes if you step on a tarantula. You don't want to do that. It comes out either side of you. Yeah, it's like stepping on a burrito. Are you familiar with a? Are you familiar with a with a tarantula hawk? Uh, I'm not. A tarantula hawk is a type of wasp that is huge, is giant. It's if you put it in your palm, its its legs will extend beyond your like say its head is is up towards you like the top of your middle finger. Mm-hmm. Its legs, its spindly legs will stretch out um, on either side of your index and, and little finger. And what a tarantula hawk does. This is to the best. Of, I, I'm not. Um, the last time I read about it, I think it's right. It's uh, it what it does is stuns a tarantula, and then using some sort of venom, you know, and then what it'll do is it will place inside that tarantula, uh, you know, an egg sac, and then when the when the uh, when the baby wasps are born, it uh, they eat. That's their first meal is that tarantula. God. What are you? you hear me? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of tarantula hawks now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it uncomfortable for you? Yeah, a little bit. Have you uh, Have you heard of the lammergeier? It's a bird. No, tell me about the lammergeier. How do you spell it first? L a m m e r g e i e r. Okay, lammergeier. Lammergeier. Is it also known as a bearded vulture? Yeah, I think it is. I okay, think good. <laughs> yeah, but I I've come to know it as the lammergeier, and I'm reading about it because I. I'm reading this book about the initial attempted descent of Mount Everest, and uh, they came across a lammergeier in their their travels, and I had never heard of a lammergeier or really a bearded vulture before, but in the they exist in the Himalaya at extreme altitude, as all things are in the Himalaya, and the lammergeier has a diet consisting, perhaps not exclusively, but mostly of uh, bone marrow that it recovers by finding bones and picking up the bones, taking them to heights, and then dropping the bones on rocks below, and then going down to retrieve the marrow thus exposed to the to the air. Live it, it, it lives primarily off of marrow. Marrow, yeah. Are you reading about this now? No, no, no. I'm I'm repeating what you're saying, but I'm yeah. at the same time I'm I'm digesting this idea because it's a uh, it's a very specific sort of diet, isn't it? Yeah, it uh, it usually. I'm reading now from Wikipedia. It usually disdains the actual meat, uh, and lives on a diet that is typically 85 to 90 percent bone marrow. It is the That's only very wasteful. This <laughs> is unlike the earliest Americans who used all of the buffalo. What this bearded vulture is doing is using merely. Uh, I don't even know what percent. If you were to add up, though, in pounds or in in terms of volume, all of the bone marrow in a human or in most animals. Uh, it has to be just a, a, a mere fraction, a very small fraction of the overall weight or volume. There's a there's a picture here in the Lammergeier Wikipedia page of uh, the caption reads, Boy with live bearded vulture, Kabul, <laughs> 1973. The bearded vulture is nearly the size of the boy. I suspect there is not a picture of same boy with same bearded vulture from 1974. Because... Because the vulture, see, the vulture can also, this is another fact, uh, the lammergeier can swallow whole or bite through brittle bones up to the size of a lamb's fever. Femur. Femur, not fever. A lamb's fever. 
That's it. Um, that's abstract. A bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's a. So it's a very... so you're, what you're suggesting is that maybe this boy was dead moments later. Yes, I, I suspect the bearded vulture fed on the boy's marrow. Wait, he's, wait, you're saying the boy is holding the Lammergeier? Lammergeier, yeah. He's holding it. I will, uh, I will demonstrate to you in such a way that the audience mm-hmm. cannot bear witness. Oh. As a link sent. You just sent me a link. Yeah, is no. that just a link to Wikipedia? Uh, it's to a picture. Could have probably handled this. Oh, yeah. Oh, that actually looks like my dad when he's young. Huh. You should ask him about his lamb guy. Kabul. Geyers? Geyer? Kabul, you said? Kabul. Is that how you say it? I that's how I've heard it on the news, but I'm I'm not from there. Oh yeah. Well that's fine. Um Wait, this is bullshit. This oh. says boy with live bearded vulture Kabul nineteen seventy three. Information image created thirty first of December nineteen seventy two. Which calendar are they using? Well, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Lot to think about. Lot to think about. Lot to think about. I have a question. I have a couple of questions for you. I know that you are, uh, you're actually perfectly trained. You, you, you've studied the sciences to some degree. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that is my excuse when people ask, did you play baseball in college? And what I tell them is, no, I did not. Because I prefer, I needed to focus on my studies, yeah. which were which were science. Then they're like, "Oh, so you're a scientist?" And mm. I tell them, "Well, no, mm. actually, I'm nothing of the sort." All right. Maybe well, I have I, to. I have a couple of questions for you, of a vaguely scientific nature. Yep. And uh, in, allow me to allow me to provide a preamble of sorts, which will make the which will add some sense and context to the questions. Mm. Is that I happen to have made an I made an errant comment around my wife, mm. right? I suggested one time uh, I don't know why I don't know if I'd been drinking I might have been drinking a little bit, mm-hmm. and I said to her because uh, she sometimes talks about running I said I would I said I would I will run a half marathon with you. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next day it, she was like, "Are you <laughs> sure?" And I and then immediately what I did was I expressed regret. And I was like, "Well." <laughs> Yeah, sort of in a vague way. I'm interested in doing it with you. You know, I'm interested. You know what? I would like to be in a place where I have run a half yes, marathon. Absolutely. That seems like a great place to be. You could tell me, oh, what did you do this time? Oh, I ran a half marathon. Oh, that's so interesting. Was it difficult? Well, yes, as half marathons are, but uh, it's in the past now. I don't have to worry about it. The problem is that I, the next day I received an email informing me that I'd been registered for a half marathon <laughs> in Portland, Maine. And this half marathon is on October 4th, which is uh, less than a month from now. Oh, God. Yeah. And uh, so uh, so <laughs> I've been training not really according to any sort of schedule, but I've been trying to run more, a little yes. bit more as the weeks go by. So I did it. I had, so we happen to live in a place that has a lot of hills, right? Mm. And so here's the thing. I ran the day. I ran like uh, like about three and a half miles on a, mm-hmm. on a on a path that has a lot of hills, right? And what happens is when I run up the hill, I would feel, so I run up the hill and I start to feel bad on the inside, okay? Mm-hmm. And here, part of my question is, once I start to feel this way, and of course it sort of lasts, it doesn't go away entirely. But here's the feeling that I would get, right? I feel a sort of burning, right? It, it's kind of in a it's hard to like pinpoint it, but it's definitely inside me, and I would say kind of in the abdomen area, 
Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's not like in my heart. It's somewhere inside of me. And also I sort of – I develop a kind of weakness like in my limbs, you know. I get a little floppy in my limbs. Mm-hmm. Can, can, you, can you sort of imagine that sensation? I can imagine you feeling like you have <laughs> floppy limbs, yes. Floppy limbs, yeah. And I it generally – yeah, generally I feel a little floppy over, like I, I sort of get a little, little loose-lipped. And I know that yeah. I know that he's a monster who's committed atrocities, but I don't know if you're familiar ever with uh, Bill Cosby's dentist bit, okay, yeah. where he's at the dentist and he go, and he's he's been given some sort of uh, painkiller, Novocaine, and uh, he's saying bleh, 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 he starts talking like that. That's how my whole body feels. Uh-huh. And generally, while you're running, while I'm running, there is a weakness. I'm weak and floppy, is what I mean to say. And there's a there's an attendant burning, large, mostly on the inside. And I'm quite, what I'm curious about is what's happening to my body. <laughs> much like a much like a much like a teenage girl whose body is changing. I'm wondering what's going on. Well, okay, so you, this happens when you're running. How how far into the run? Oh yeah, so it's not immediate. Um, so it's like a it's like a like a half mile circle that's near our place. And it's it's a vague downgrade typically, like a like a like a very low downgrade, and then one quite steep hill. Mm-hmm. And so I go through. So it's you know like I said, half my lower. I go through up the hill once, and I'm like, well, that's not so bad. And I start running, and I go up the hill again, and then that takes a little bit out of me. And then there's a third time I start saying, well, that's not that hill's not fun. And then I go forth, and then you know by the fourth and fifth time. There's when I'm into it. So that's roughly, you know, say three miles into the jog. Mm-hmm. And this is, this happens often? Mm. Like almost every run? Well, n- no, but today was 90 degrees out. Uh-huh. So I think that might have contributed to it. But it's uh-huh. always becomes, it's always something less than pleasant, right? Yeah, well, that that's, so Carson, this is the nature of physical exercise. Okay. So I don't know how how acquainted you are with with what happens with the body when it is Is the strained. word anaerobic going to po- pop up at any point? Is it, is I this, am. Not a physical trainer. I don't actually know what's going on with your body, but I can tell you that there uh, don't, some discomfort is to be expected, particularly on hot days when you might just be feeling a sense of dehydration. I don't know what you ate or drank. I don't know if you hydrated properly before you went running. Mm-hmm. I I know that sometimes even when I run, I'll have really good runs and then really unpleasant, difficult runs for no rhyme or reason that I've been able to track down. But I know that on hot days, especially if I have not had enough to drink during the day, mm-hmm. then those are those are very difficult. I know. I remember that there was a in my old neighborhood. I had a a course that was I don't know roughly four miles long, and about at the three point two mile mark, approximately, it was right across the street from a moonstruck chocolate uh, storefront. Okay. I remember almost to a almost to a block. Whenever I would do that run, right in front of that moonstruck, I would just have to burp really loud and. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't figured out why. I'm yeah. glad that it came out that part of me instead of the other part of me. Yeah, yeah. But that was that's a sensation that I can't explain, uh, except to maybe the act of running uh, jostles uh, the contents of of my stomach, and then. How were you? Caused... How was your route on in terms of hills? Was it hilly? Uh, northwest Portland, so there were some some hills. Yeah, but I like hills. Uh, I like running hills. Otherwise, it feels too much like running. On a treadmill. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So, so, so there's something. So, uh, in in conclusion, I I think that uh, your body. So this is so you should listen to your body, right? And your body's always trying to t- give you signals. Yeah. And the signal that your body is sending to you is 
you made a mistake in volunteering to do this. And <laughs> the good news is after running three and a half miles today, a half marathon is only 10 miles on top of that amount. <laughs> <laughs> but you, so when did, when did this happen? When did you make your errant remark and then get registered? About a month ago, I'd say. A month ago. Okay. So did you run before that? Um, not recently before. I mean, I did. All right. So I'm a 35 year old person. I did yeah. cross country in high school. Uh huh. And then I've had bursts uh, in the time since that. All right. Probably most recently, like a couple, you know, three, four years ago, when I was living in Madison. I had okay. one summer where I did a lot of running. I probably got in better shape. Yeah. Uh, of course, Madison, like a lot of the Midwest, um, probably less so than a lot of the Midwest, but like a lot of the Midwest, is uh, is relatively flat. So the runs there were quite flat. So you were you were familiar at least with the physical act of running. Yeah, I actually think I have decent form. Okay, so I have good footfall. Good. Okay, so you you haven't had any lower leg or knee problems so far, which is mm. which is good. No. Uh, you will after the half marathon, but yeah. then you'll be you'll be done running for. I want to tell while. you, my wife on Sunday, she did a 12 mile run with that up up with like involving like. M- Near mountains, because we live uh-huh. in, a, like I say, a pretty, like a dramatic, like there's some dramatic hills here. And um, she came <laughs> back, she's like, yeah, like I feel like a little tired. It was like a, it was like an 85 degree day. I, I don't understand it. She does this all the time. She's going to, you know, where she ran, she ran a half marathon when we were in Paris. I saw her at the end. She was just like, yeah, it was pretty good. You know, there were a lot of people around, so it was hard to go real fast. So, and then we just like we just went home. <laughs> There's so I was just uh, I was just camping over the weekend, and I was telling one of the friends I was with that uh, while he's a very skilled climber and and hiker and all that stuff, it's very difficult for me to envision him running. There's just certain people I think where you you can see them and you can picture them in your head. You can picture them doing a lot of things in your head, but certain people I cannot picture. Running. Yeah. Until this conversation, I think you would have been one of them. Yeah. Which maybe is a does you a disservice because, as you said, you have a, a background of running, but I don't. I didn't make you out to be of the running sort. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a person. No, no. Well, I think you're right. At least in in one way, is that I'm a person who doesn't want to be running. <laughs> I think that's very fair to say. I've been trying to uh, supplement my. Training with uh, playing tennis, which is something I feel uh-huh. comfortable doing. Oh, you can play that with Appleman when he's not stomping haters. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Appleman's very good. Is he? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We played like oh. we played at least a set, maybe two sets. He, cru- um, he crushed me. His strokes are so strong. Oh. Um, yeah, and actually, his wife is. Uh, they're 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 about equal level. They're both quite talented uh, at oh. tennis. Yeah, yeah, cool. they're really good. He's actually he is, and I think it's something that happens with tennis sometimes. But you you know David Appleman, yes, you, and love David Appleman. Couldn't love him more. And uh, you know, but he has uh, he has some um, like what you know. I don't know if you notice when he stands. A lot of times, I, I think it's like like it's actually like a like a ballet pose he does with his feet, uh-huh. where they are. Um, they're like in different directions. Like he puts them in. Like he essentially sit, he like stands there all twisted up um, with his feet. Uh-huh. And uh, um, he does that. And there are other things about him, like the fact that he dresses a little bit like everyone's dad. 
sometimes <laughs> where you think, uh, oh, like he's not he's not necessarily going to be like someone who's going to who's going to have a lot of you know necessarily like a lot of obvious athletic ability. But in yeah. the tennis court, he's un he's unwithable. Yeah, yeah. That I I knew that he played tennis. I knew that he played often. I had no sense of of how good a tennis player he he is or was. And so that is. Yeah, no, no, he's uh, yeah, he's, here. he's quite good. Yeah, he's quite good. Yeah, I know. For me, at at like the at the rock climbing gym, I I'll get thrown, or at least I used to get thrown off because you, when you're in some sort of athletic setting or gym setting, I think it's only natural that you're gonna pass some sort of instinctive first glance judgment of the people in there, and you'll just evaluate them based on what you think that their skill is. And at the climbing gym. Some of the people who are really good are people you look at them and you think, hey, you're really good. But then yesterday, for example, I was looking at someone who's a really good climber and it looks like Napoleon Dynamite. And so it's really, it does not a very, there's not as strong a relationship between appearance and, and particular athletic skill as I think one's brain leads one to believe. And, uh, Appleman, yeah, like I said, you wouldn't look at him and think, hey, strong athlete. Yeah. You know, you think- uh, to, to give you a sense of, for anyone who's at all familiar with BA, Belly, it is yeah, it is positions four and five. That's how that's what his feet looks like a lot. Yeah, yeah. So they're sort of like uh, they're parallel to each other, um, but in, in not in the way you'd, ex- you'd expect feet to be parallel to each other. But he do, he can do that really well too. Yeah, he's just got yeah, he's got great strokes. Anyway, all right. So you think that there's some? So what should I eat before I go jogging to make sure that I'm all that I got enough energy? You know, uh, I used to think. I used to think that I had my best runs about an hour and a half after a turkey sandwich. Okay. That was oddly specific. So uh, I don't know if that's true. Basically, I didn't. I never enjoyed running uh, right after meal, mm-hmm. and I didn't enjoy running too long after meal. You need a little bit of energy. But I think that honestly, the bulk of it is kind of uh, up to your your mental space and how your head is feeling, and if you actually are interested in doing exercise because if you're preoccupied I find that it's very difficult to get in the flow of things, whatever your athletic endeavor may be. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, Jeff. I don't want to write another post. I need yeah. the topic. You got topics for me? Well maybe we'll get to one. Maybe we'll figure something out. Maybe you'll figure out a topic for the hardball times annual since I'm like a month behind on that one. Wait, are we always supposed to start that? When's it do? Uh well I don't have a topic yet. When's it do? A few weeks. Huh. You don't get you don't get weekly emails about this. You, I have a topic now. Ah, sorry. You got two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you just steal steal some steal something for someone? Steal something for someone. I think steal I'm just gonna use last year's. Yeah, no, no one'll notice. I mean, the odds the odds are not a hundred percent that someone would notice. No, it's a lot, something less than hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Something less than 100%. Uh, so what else you got going on? Well, I'm curious about you. You, I feel like you were gone for a week recently. Is that right? That's right. Did we discuss uh, where your body was? I mean, it's. I don't have. I don't have a fun travel story. I went to Connecticut and Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Well, what, what, what? Because you, you were a person from San Diego, but you went to college in Connecticut. Yeah. You know, did I ask you if people called you called you Sully there? Did I tell, did I ask uh, you that yet? You asked me that previously. People did not call me Sully there. They called me Sully in high school. Okay. Um, wh- 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 was it somebody got a wedding or something? Uh, no, I just went to visit uh, my brother and sister-in-law in New Haven, or more sure. specifically, Hamden, 
Connecticut. Which oh, is yeah, Hamden, yeah. 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 Yes. You know it? You know who doesn't know it? A lot of people there. A lot of people in New England don't know Hamden. Yeah, my, uh, yeah, my, uh, my, I believe my grandfather, uh, not only did he live there, I believe he was the general manager of the Prudential branch located in Hamden, Connecticut. Yeah, it's a disappointing town because you go thinking, well, this is going to be a lot of ham, but they never take you to the, there's no den. Hardly I think any, hardly any ham there. Hardly any ham. Certainly I mean, not, not, certainly not more than, than, not more than average. No. Mm-hmm. No, or an average amount of ham included. I thought it was cute that they have little geological features in in New Haven, like oh these rocks were sculpted by glaciers. It's like this is pathetic. But uh, well, yeah, that's went, you, that's yeah. a certain uh, you you what you have is a sort of altitude elitism by by yes. living in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it was it was cute earlier when you described uh, dramatic hills, yeah. which I considered to be something of an oxymoron. Uh, but yeah. I guess it, it depends on your definition. Of they provide the they provide beautiful beautiful vistas of the area. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, the, the and one difference is here is they they seem more dramatic because there's a lot more tree cover. Yeah. There are certain areas in the West where you might have hills. Like, so for example, I lived in uh, Missoula, Montana, right? Mm-hmm. Which has a number of hills slash mountains, um, sort of on the uh, surrounding it. But because there are no trees, something about it when you're when you're on top of it. Um, is a little bit less. You don't feel as you know. You, you don't feel like you're lost. Whereas mm-hmm. you, in these hills, you can get lost a little bit because they're they're just covered in they're covered in trees. Yeah, that's fair. You can't see around you necessarily. I, which is yeah. a feeling I prefer. I I don't think you do. I think you I think you enjoy the West. Yeah, but I mean, realistically, there are some pretty fantastic mountains in like New Hampshire and Vermont, and it's it's a reasonable uh, landscape. But New England or Connecticut. Does not really have have much of it, and neither does Southwestport, another town that I visited. Oh, I don't know in, that. In Massachusetts. Well, I'll tell you what. They do not look kindly upon those from Northwestport. Uh, the the harbor people and the point people, I am given to believe, are, are of at opposites. Odds, huh? Yeah, they are. They are at odds. The uh, the exciting thing about Southwestport, uh, and I don't just mean the exciting thing while I was there. I think this is literally the exciting thing about Southwestport is that concurrent with my visit. Uh, they, a fisherman, which is what all of them are, found a body in a bag that was dumped in the ocean, and the body had some parts removed. He was missing a head, uh, some some severed bits, Uh-oh. and a uh, fisherman just found it when he he was fishing, and then he he brought it back to land, and then the, that was all the the police activity was trying to figure out what's up with this body, which is pretty clearly a, a mafia I see, dump. I see where you were. That's an area of the of that state. Um, which I've spent less time, but I do see. Uh, did you see any Portuguese people while you were there? Because a lot of times there are Portuguese people in that area because they're they're talented fishermen who I think emigrated. Well, let's see. I did have uh, what they were saying Cherise, but then I was like, oh yeah, no, I've had chorizo before, and then they're like, no, this is different. This is Cherise, oh. and I was like sixty percent sure they were wrong, but maybe I had a very slightly different Portuguese version of spiced pork. But I did not interact with any Portuguese people or really any people of any uh, minority population. Cherise, it's a type, what, a type of pork? How yeah. do you, what do you I don't know how you spell it. I just know how you say it. Do with you know how you say accent. it? I thought they were just yeah, saying, must like, be oh, a- yeah, put it in the Cherise, like saying short for chorizo. But then I was like, oh, yeah. 
They're like, have you ever had chorizo before? I was like, yeah, yeah, I have. I'm an adult. And they're like, no, not chorizo, chorizo. It's different. It's like, no, but it looks like chorizo, though, and it tastes like it. But they were, I wasn't going to argue with them. They were richer than me. Yeah. That sounds like, uh, you had, yeah, you had a real big talk there, huh? It was, it, look, if you're going to take a week off of work, Go to, go to Westport. Sometimes you, you got to do. Sometimes you got to fulfill some family and friend obligations, like going to Hamden, Connecticut, and West South Westport, Massachusetts. And other times you just think, well, I, I would sure like to do a week where it's more exciting than this. Yeah, you went to uh, at one point. Didn't you go to South America to climb mountains? Well, I would prefer to do that again. Yeah. Well, it's your fault for having a family, isn't it? That well, I mean, it's no. See, this is this is great. Uh, if at such a time, you know, this is one good thing. This is the advantage people don't talk about. Advantage of being an only child, right? Not that I'm one, uh, uh-huh. but uh, you don't have these sort of cumbersome relationships. <laughs> and when you get, you know, you could take a vacation. You, you go on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, you're not like, oh, I owe you a visit. It's like, no, I owe myself a trip. Where do you like to travel? What do you do? You, where do you go? Well, what do you do? What do, you do? I don't know. You know. I always think that I like going to places where they speak a foreign language, but I'm not sure that's true because I, I spend my entire time just being petrified. <laughs> I'm just, just well, but scared. I mean, how much of your average day, even at home, do you spend feeling petrified? Um, yeah, that's a good. It's a different. It's a different type of fear. Right. It's a fear where it's like, I, I here's what it is. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed and embarrassed because I feel like, oh, I've come to your town i've come to your city and i don't even have the decency to speak your language you know so i feel i just feel like a little bit uh yeah i feel like i'm letting everyone down like i'm I'm being very rude at all times and so that that bothers me but like you know my wife and i uh we spent two and a half weeks in montreal in august Mm -hmm. that was great that was fantastic it was great and fantastic (laughs) i loved it I like doing that. I like I like going to a place um, that has no not not you know no no obvious attraction. Just to say, let's see what it's like to live here for a little bit. That's, yeah, that's my favorite way to experience a place. Yeah, that's kind of a different level of of travel. And for some people, I think it just takes more time. But if you, I think maybe if you start to have a week and a half or two weeks in a place, then you start to establish a, a trip routine, which mm-hmm. makes it different from just getting up and packing up and, and going somewhere else and that is it's just a very different way to experience the uh, the local culture and it is yeah. yeah it's if you have the time it's it's worth it yeah it's great yeah i read for All the right. internet i don't know if you know anything about that but yeah, oh but, uh, i should you know i haven't said this uh in any previous episodes of the program but i would like to announce now that any if anyone can abate no abate aid and abet if anyone can aid and abet either my or my wife's Ability to acquire some sort of working visa. No, it didn't even have to be a working visa. No, just for my wife, a working visa in Canada, in Montreal specifically. I would be greatly indebted to you. If you have information pertaining to the acquisition of a working visa in Montreal, Canada, please contact me. <laughs> Twitter handle at Sestouli. Or, uh, well, I don't know, cart- uh, csestouli at yahoo.com. No, One thing I found out. No? Carson.Sestouli at Fangraphs.com. That's easiest to remember. Carson.Sestouli at Fangraphs.com. If you're able to, if you think you have a plan, I tell you, because I can live anywhere. My wife knows French. She's fluent in French. 
she speaks it like a um, she speaks it. Uh, I think she has documentation suggesting she speaks it like a like a native, uh-huh. um, talented woman, hard worker, too hard I would say. Loves love. She cares too much. She works too hard. Loves to laugh. <laughs> Those are her biggest her biggest flaws. She doesn't love to laugh actually. No, she doesn't. Not not that I've seen. At least not recently. Uh-huh. Well, that's that's too bad. It could be a function of her company. You know, you know what she likes to do. She likes to huddle. She likes to uh, yeah. When it's when it's cold outside, she likes to. She'll find a heater, a heating Uh duct, and she'll huddle around it frequently. Like a like a a house cat. Yeah, right. Like any small creature, she will. uh, Yeah, when I come home, she's. uh, I see. Like where where is she? And should just find her by the heater, huddling by it. <laughs> you know, we've actually never been colder than when we lived in in Portland, Oregon. And that's uh-huh. not because Portland itself is colder, but I think that the houses are not equipped for the times when it does become cold. I think, as we discussed in the previous podcast, that's the houses here aren't equipped for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. But did I make it clear my 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 request to the people? I think that you made it clear. What I did find out from Dave Cameron's swift visit through Portland late last week is that David Appleman does not factor in a cost-of-living adjustment into Fangraph's compensation. So were one to hypothetically move to a Montreal, Canada, mm-hmm. then then one's wife might uh, become required uh, heretofore to... <laughs> to work? Know, make more money. Yeah, work yeah and, and, no, but we got... Do if she's making it in dollars, you know, because the dollar is pretty strong right now relative to the Canadian dollar. Mm-hmm. So and actually, housing is housing is even if, even if you're adjusting for other cost of living expenses, housing is cheaper there. Oh, we damned. Yeah, that's why I'm telling you the truth right now. Yeah, housing is expensive in the states. It is expensive. I just saw uh, when I left. Uh, this is boring. When I left my apartment that I moved out of like two months ago, I, I at that point I was paying like a little over a thousand a month for rent, one bedroom, whatever. Yeah. And I I had moved out because they were renovating the unit, and so I had to go somewhere else. And I just saw the other day because uh, that unit is the renovation is complete and it's back online. Same unit, maybe yeah. some new renovations. And uh, so I was paying a little more than a thousand. It is currently on the market for utilities plus fifteen hundred fifty dollars a month. What? It has gone up more than five hundred dollars uh, in two months. That is, is do, I mean, how uh, how robust do you believe these reservation reservations? <laughs> renovations. Well, I can tell you one renovation that I'm sure they did. They repaired the hole in the ceiling that a stranger put in it when he was moving my couch, as which we also. <laughs> so new you, new ceiling patch. How much? How much is? How much did your deposit to get back? I got it all actually because they were doing renovations. I asked them about that, and they're like, "Yeah, don't worry about it." Hmm. Yeah. So that was that was a load off. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, no, there's. I guess there's no. I don't. Rent control, I think, is the term. There's no rent control in that area. Uh, organized in Portland, so landlords are just they're free to do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, well, I think also, uh, well, so rent control, at least I think the way it works in 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 New York, is you if you leave your apartment, the the uh, the the landowner, the landlord is not is not obligated to offer it at anywhere like that price. I I don't know the precise. Um, Aspects of rent control, but I believe that it, you are still allowed to like increase the rent by a certain percentage mm-hmm. year over year, but it's nothing like the sort of inflation that uh, housing in New York has experienced since yeah. whenever. I mean, 
that's a that's a very hostile place in, um, to live in terms of rents. So you have to do a lot of work. It would not be smart, for example, because there is no cost of living adjustment. It would not be smart for a Fangraphs writer to live in New York City. No, not at all. Or or San Francisco. Oh, God. Or or increasingly Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. I, so wh- wh- I don't where know are people how... moving after Portland now. Well, so I was just over the weekend. I was just in southeastern Oregon, which is uh, which is a neat, desolate, I don't know, isolated place. Yeah. And there's a there's a town of Fields, population twelve, and I was thinking, you know, could probably make this population fourteen, and uh, might be affordable. Yeah. But then I like have to build live... a house. Wait, the town is called Fields. It's called Fields. It's not just a field. It's not just fields that have people living in them. It yeah, is but a is town. There... But huh? is there any sort of is there any sort of village center? There's a milkshake store, okay, which is fantastic, and uh, and yeah, that's that's what they had milkshakes and gas. Did you go to Did you ever go on Fields Frontal Road? I assume that perhaps that was the one, the one road. Did you see the Did you go to Fields General Store? Yes, I'm looking at it. I can tell. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's got right a Paps, there. Got a Paps Blue Ribbon sign in the window. Also, maybe I believe Bud they Light, did. Bud Light sign, maybe. A surprisingly good beer selection for uh, a small, unincorporated community in in rural Oregon rural, slash rural basically Oregon. rural <laughs> rural Jurer. Yeah. Rural <laughs> Jurer. Uh, yeah. Look at that Field Station. It looks like maybe it's called. Yeah. Well, it looks great. Good job. Is yeah, that where you were so, hiking or camping or whatever? Yeah, just the whole. This is the desert. There's like a there's a dry lake bed. It dries up for most months of the year, and so it's called the playa. And you can go. Uh, you can actually drive a car out onto it, which is uh, which is neat. It's just a big. It's kind of like a this part of Death Valley. I remember from growing up, but it's just a big, cracked mud, dry ass area of the desert. Yeah. Where you can. Does it remind uh, you of Burning Man? All the times you went to Burning Man. You know, uh, several people that we were camping with said, like, hey, this this place should have its own Burning Man because it, it's just this isolated desert in this otherwise beautiful area. And then I found out yesterday at the gym, apparently they did attempt to have a small uh, version of Burning Man two years ago. And then uh, because of some sort of private property dispute, it was, it was abruptly canceled. Yeah. But they did try. Did you go... Did you go to Burning Man this year for? I've never been to Burning Man. I don't. I've never been to like a festival. I don't you think. love Burning. You always tell me about how much you love Burning Man. You say you always told me you say Carson. If there's one thing you do ever in your life, it's go to Burning Man. Yeah. Remember, remember you always say cool. you said you said that you had some of the best times of your lives there. Well, yeah, but I don't remember them because I was at Burning Man. Oh yeah, that's right. All right yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. When's the last time you did a bunch of drugs? Zero times. Yeah. Zero times ever. Yeah, I've never, never did like a lot of drugs. I guess. Yeah, I regret it. There's a lot, you know. It's just one of the things I regret, I guess. One of the things where you wish that you just—it's kind of like running a half marathon, right? Where you just want to be in position where you have done it. Yeah, but drugs seem like they're actually fun to do. It seems like <laughs> if you, <laughs> like the the worst time with with drugs is the time, maybe like hours after you've done it. Or if it has worn off, and then you maybe either you are somehow impaired by having done it in uh-huh. a way that's unpleasant, or uh, or you feel a feel desire to, to do it again strongly, and uh-huh. that desire continues. 
Yeah, you know? yeah, addiction is a bitch. I think uh, if you ever find, well, whatever, things aren't legal for you yet. But what I what I've heard from <laughs> what I've heard from uh, a very familiar company. Yeah. Uh, so the Southeast Oregon is basically about a six-hour drive yeah. from Portland to getting where we wanted to go. You can say you can say you can get dank bud there. Is that what you're about to tell me? You get dank. I'm saying that if if you feel like six hours is a long time to spend in a rented vehicle with six people, a dog, and six people's worth of camping gear, yeah. That if that feels cramped and uncomfortable to you, then if one were to be provided a lozenge infused yeah. with a certain substance then it might make the drive go a little smoother, a little more comfortable, a little faster. Okay. Uh, yeah, you might appreciate the, the transportation a little more. So the next time that that you and your wife have like a long drive plan, just kinda just kinda alternate. Just and experiment just, with a little bit. Yeah, just experiment with a little weed yeah, in the right. passenger seat. And just see how it goes for you. I mean you talked it you know for God's sake, you know what's up. Yeah, I know what's up. Yeah, you know. Everyone always says Carson's, Carson's still, still he knows what's up. He knows what's up. Yeah. Oh, all right. I don't know. Do you feel like you've uh, fulfilled your obligation? I mean, only kind of. I still need to like write another thing, but I don't know. What do people want to? What do people want to read about right now in baseball? It's like the Matt Harvey stuff is it's so yesterday to quote Hillary Duff, and mm. that's she, she came that, up with that, huh? <laughs> that Hillary was her Duff phrase. wrote that line. Hillary Duff so yesterday. Um. I don't know what's going on. Like I wrote about the Nationals, the Nationals suck, but they don't, but they do. You wrote, you I don't wrote know. about that, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. It's just, I don't know what's out there. The Rangers should suck, but they don't. That's yeah, how come they? How come they're good? Same shit as always. Hey, some decent performance and a little bit of luck. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm sure Jake Deacon is going to keep on not walking, guys. That sounds like his profile. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> So, I have a question too. Let's ask them at the same time. Can you guess? Are what, you going to the winter meetings? <laughs> can you guess what Jackie Bradley's isolated power figure is over the last month? Over the last month? Yeah. Uh, okay. First of all, can you guess where it ranks relative to all baseball players? Well, I'm going to guess based on the way that you put that. It's yeah. first. If it's not first, it's second. Yeah, you should guess first. Okay, I'll guess. Actually, first. it's That's a slightly gonna... lower number now, now than when it was when I checked it the other day. Okay. But yeah. So I'll guess first, and I think I don't know 467. No, well that's actually uh, that's lower. That's lower than what it was a couple of days ago. It's higher than it is right now. 446 as of right now. Good God. Yeah, and it was 500 a couple of days ago. What the <laughs> did that? I'm sorry, I keep saying that. How did that? I know that he hit one home run off Jesus Sucre. He was a catcher, but then I mean that doesn't that doesn't mm. account for a 500 isolated power. Yeah, he just keeps he, every hit is that now is now uh, he's. He's featuring a new strategy, which is just every hit that goes for extra bases. It's a, I, I'm okay. So last week, actually, he has. I, oh. a, sorry, he has 35 hits over the last month, mm-hmm. and 16, 20, 20, 22 of them are for extra bases. Good. Which seems like God. a high, high ratio. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. I mean, that's stupid. Yeah. That's stupid. It's I a stu- it, Yeah. Go ahead. You go now. Well, I was. I wrote about like Ryan Goins. Last week, Ryan yeah, Gullen, yeah, just because yeah. he was like walking a, a lot out of nowhere, and it's it's one thing. It's interesting when you have like a decent player who makes a change and then he becomes a little better. But it's quite another when you have a player who's just like, nope, he sucks, and then bam, no, he's awesome. And I don't, I don't, I get this is anecdotal, but I feel like maybe it happens more these days than it used to because maybe it's just 
easier to to hone in on on problems that can be fixed uh, because of numbers and analysis and whatnot. But I don't know if that's true, and it would be a difficult thing to research. But it's really disorienting when you have a player like Ryan Goins, who's you just think, no, well, he can't hit. He's just there for his glove. And then all of a sudden, well, actually, he can hit, and he can start every day for the Blue Jays. Or if you have Jackie Bradley Jr., who Red Sox fans gave up on. They gave up on him after five or 600 plate appearances. Obviously, his minor league track record hinted that he had a little more offensive potential. But, I mean, the small sample be damned to do what he's done over a month is yeah. insane. Yeah, Who insane. thought that was within his, his reach? Who thought it? Not him. Probably not him. I mean, he's even, yeah, he actually did have a pretty strong offensive profile throughout most of his uh, minor league career, but uh, not, power was not really part of it. So that's yeah, what it was, makes it. It was uh, patience, right? It was yeah. like walks and contact. Yeah, although I forget who did it. Perhaps it was Matthew Corey who wrote about the some kind of what it turned out to be pretty obvious um, differences in Jackie Bradley's swing. But the the uh, his mechanics before were really strange. Like he would step. But then kind of, which would, like, when he would step and when he landed with his front foot, it would essentially halt all of his forward momentum. But then mm-hmm. he would thrust his hips then, or, you know, rotate his hips. It was mm-hmm. it was very, uh, it was not a very, it was not a well-played um, swing. And it's, right. it's, it looks a lot better now. I don't know. Well, I don't know. So what, what were the Ranger, Rangers? What did you say, the Rangers? Rangers, yeah, there. Um... You know, you know, Jackie Bradley's isolated slugging in the minors this year mm. was 167. Yeah. So he's come to the majors and he's done like twice as good. Yeah. Yeah. Majors are easier for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently. So majors too easy. Yeah. There's Ryan Goins walking everywhere. Yeah. yeah. He should. Well, you already wrote about Joey Votto, man. Yeah, I wrote about Votto. I had to write about. I mean, Votto was an easy one to write about coming back from. You know, it's hard when you're coming back from like a long weekend off or any sort of trip to yeah. try to like write as if you know what's going on currently. Yeah, right. Of course. Like like Dave just got back from a week long trip visiting family. Got no idea what's going on. Yeah, no idea what's going on. He wasn't even looking at Twitter for a week. Even, yeah. And so he just comes up and he shows up and he, he gets uh, I guess a nice a nice stop landing because he had a chat today. Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't know. What do you think about uh how about this? <clears throat> Uh, this may not be an interesting question, but uh, would you prefer, if you were a club, if you were a major league club, would you yeah. prefer to have Joe or Tyson Ross? If, if money's not a factor, who do you think will be better until the other, one of the other retires? Money is not a factor. Money's so not a factor. Strictly on talent, Joe Ross or Tyson Ross? Yeah, who will, like, starting today until they're both dead, who will oh, produce sure. the most wins? Uh, I'll, I'll still have to go with Tyson Ross. He's okay. proven a little more. I think he's proven a little more durability, which is surprising given what he throws, but it yeah. is what it is. I like Joe Ross, though. I like, uh, he was no part of the Nationals depth chart coming into the year, and then he did pretty well until his shutdown. Non-injury related. Yeah. yeah. Here's a, here's a, uh, here's a quiz. Yeah. Um, named, named, tw- <laughs> 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 of the qualified pitchers in the second half. Um, the top of the top five of them, name two brothers who who have the highest usages of their slider. Is it? <laughs> is it Joe and Tyson Ross? It is. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it is. Tyson Ross four, Joe Ross five. It's I, fun when they're different, but it's also fun when they're the same. It would be interesting to see if other if other brothers, whether hitters, you know, or pitchers, 
or pitchers in particular, like if they like, did they throw the same speed, mm-hmm. or did they like did like Pedro and Ramon at the peak of their respective um, like physical abilities, mm-hmm. did they throw the, at the, roughly the same velocity? Because Ramon was like a Ramon was a star for a couple of years with the Dodgers. Yeah, right. He was really good, and Pedro, of course, threw hard at at points. You know, he, but they were both slight of build. I wonder if they did they throw the same pitches. I don't know. That's more of a research. Point. I don't know. You can uh, you can the nice current uh, thing to observe might be Kyle versus Corey Seager. Now that Corey Seager is up in the majors, the anecdotal evidence suggests they have some somewhat similar swings. So there there could be something there. There you go. Uh, Ramon Martinez is listed at five inches taller than Pedro Martinez, no. but five fewer pounds. No. <laughs> yeah, Pedro Martinez, 5'11", 170, officially, according to Baseball Reference. Ramon Martinez, 6'4", 165. No. Until, 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 that's a, that's a thin person. <laughs> I mean, he was thin. That's, uh, yeah, that's almost me. What are you? Ramon, uh, 6'5", and I don't know. I only get weighed when I go to the doctor. Hmm. The Ross brothers Where'd are not as convenient in terms of how much they're... Sliders have been worth. No? No. Just free pitch frequency. I wonder how they move. Mm. Um, you could do similarity scores. <laughs> I could. Some more dust pitch comps. Dust that off. That's always kind of the fail-safe. I don't know if that's the right word, but just like, oh, I don't know what to write about. Let's just find a pitch that people are interested in and find pitches that are like it. Yeah. And I, it always it feels like cheating, too, because there's so much that's left out of of pitch comps because uh, it's like, well, how does it get thrown? What's the... Well, what are the three... Is it it's velocity and horizontal movement and vertical movement? Yeah, and then, I mean, that, that kind of captures, like, spin. It's basically in there, but you don't get release point. You don't get other pitches. You certainly don't get pitch quality. It's just kind of the pitch classification. So you don't know which pitch is more consistent, but... I mean, then you're getting a little more detail. It's it's just for fun. And speaking so here's, of here's comps, a vague question: Is yeah. what what percentage do you think you of the all of the all of the information you need to describe the pitch perfectly? Mm-hmm. What percentage do you think you uh, you're accounting for by considering only velocity and then vertical and horizontal movement? I think you get a lot of the idea. I think the big thing that's missing is is pitch consistency, which, granted, is a different idea. But I remember, like, I saw that... Is that command, uh, essentially? Yeah, command. Okay. And I remember, like, looking at... I think Jay Happ had, like, the closest comp for Cole Hamels' changeup. But, like, obviously, Jay Happ doesn't have Cole Hamels' changeup. Jay Happ's changeup sucks, and the Pirates have basically made him stop throwing it. But, on average, it's been very similar to Cole Hamels' changeup. So, if Jay Happ uh, threw his changeup better more often... Then he could have, <laughs> for example, Cole Hamels' changeup, but because he doesn't, it's just like this point saying, "Hey, look at maybe this pitch has this potential, but but maybe it doesn't." I don't really know what to do with it, but it's fun, and I don't know, it gets people excited, and I think it is somewhat worthwhile. It's somewhat interesting. Uh, and and speaking of pitch comps, Marcus Stroman is back on Saturday. Well, that's a nice thing. Yeah. Oh wait, because he was Roy. He's Roy Halladay, right? He's he's got Roy Halladay's sinker is what it looks like. All right, yeah. He's got Roy Halladay's sinker, but he's also got a bunch of other people's other pitches, which is but good, really but good. good other people, right? Yeah, good, really good other. Like he has a pitch that looks a lot like Jose Fernandez's breaking ball, which is like okay, just you don't need. He has a an abundance of 
of resources at his disposal that he throws out of his out of his hand. Mm-hmm. He has many good pitches, and I I am very much looking forward to his his return because he is fun. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, there's hey, uh, there's. Hey, well, you, you go ahead. Wanna... You keep talking. You keep talking, buddy. You just want to just want to do another five minutes of mumbling noises. Just, <laughs> <Yeah>. just... <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna do I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna quiz you. No. I was gonna quiz you on a thing. You ready no. for this? Yeah. Of all the qualified starters in the in the second half, who has the highest average fastball velocity? Qualified starters. Second half. Second half. Highest average fastball velocity. I don't know. Jordan Ventura. Second. Second, he's second. This is the BIS okay. data, by the way. I don't know if that's yeah, BIS. Okay, so qualified. Oh no, wait, that was actually pitch effects data. Let's see if this changes things. You might be right. You're not right. I'm not right. He's thir- okay. he's tied for second in BIS data. Yeah. Okay. So throw me a hint. Um. Uh. If I were a person who lived in Hamden, Connecticut. Uh huh. Not unlike what your brother. Is that right? Uh huh. Uh, this um, many of the people around me would probably be cheering for the team on which this pitcher, on which he's rostered. Are you looking at Nathan Yovaldi? We are, buddy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he also was after the season. <laughs> oh, what happened to him? Where'd he go? Well, he's he's got some elbow inflammation. So oh no. Yeah, that's bad news. That just happened yesterday. Look at that. All right. Yeah. Well, Noah Syndergaard. His second tied with yeah. Yohan Ventura. Yeah, Syndergaard is really good. All right. Well, that's good information. <laughs> How about this? Of all qualified... Uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. Of all qualified... Yeah, so this might get screwed up with split fingers. I don't know. Of all qualified uh, starters in the second half, who has the highest rate of change-ups thrown? Highest rate of change-ups, second half starting... Oh, I'm not going to know this. Yeah, I, well, I'll tell you one interesting thing here. I think it is interesting, is that the second highest is Nathan Uvalde. Oh, okay, so that's a splitter. But he actually throws a splitter, yeah. Yeah. Which is why Alfredo Simone might be a good answer, but that his pitches qualify as a splitter. I don't know. So the number one the number one is uh, Jorge De La Rosa. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's a splitter or not. Um yeah, yeah. I think it's just a changeup. I don't, I don't really know. Harry De La Rosa's second. Yeah. This is genuinely the first time this season that I have thought about Jorge De La Rosa. He was, he had a couple, he had some moments this season. He's had moments this season. He's actually had, I mean, listen, he's put up almost an exactly average line, right? Yeah. He has almost an exactly league average xFIP. He has almost exactly league average FIP. He has a slightly better than average uh, ERA. All park adjusted, of course. Mm-hmm. He's actually not a bad pitcher right now. No, no, he's he's never really been a bad pitcher. But isn't he? How old is he? He's thirty four, but he's yeah. actually also been pretty durable the last couple of years. He's made thirty starts each of the last two years, and this year he's he'll get close to that mark. That's pretty good too. Fun baseball trivia. Mm. What was it? Just yesterday. Oh, is there a more unlikely back to back home run situation that's happened? Than Gregor Blanco and Tim Hudson. <laughs> you know, Tim Hudson was actually a fantastic college hitter. Did you yeah. know that? And I mean, he's hit home runs before in the majors, but he's still a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done anything about pitcher batting recently? Probably. <laughs> I think I have. I did something on Madison Bumgarner not too long ago. I haven't checked in on how the league is doing. I assume. His sophomore year. 
at I think it was the sophomore year. I can't I can't be I can't be too sure. Um, it might, no, it was his junior year because I think he pitched a year at a community college. Um, his second year at Auburn, he had 18 home runs. Did Tim Hudson? Your God. Yeah, that was before. Uh, that was when a lot of people were hitting home runs. But uh-huh. uh, 18 still uh, still got to do it. You know. Well, uh, so looking at uh, pitchers this year. Yeah. There are so there are 33 pitchers who have uh, who have batted at least 50 times. 33. Okay. Uh, Twelve of them have a WRC plus that begins with a plus. Uh, the rest of them being being negative. And Madison Bumgarner is. What are you talking one, about? What do you mean? They're all negative. Oh, uh, right, because it's compared yeah. not to other pitchers, but it's compared to. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Madison Bumgarner WRC plus of one twenty one, yeah. which is uh, which is quite good. Yeah. Second place seventy seventy two. Uh, yeah. Tyson Ross. Here we are. Tyson Ross seventy two. But uh, on the. The team scale, I think I was just looking at this, and the Giants have had the best hitting uh, pitching staff in the National League by a considerable margin. Oh, Dave, are, I believe Dave Cameron asked the question recently because he has a NL, MV, or NL Cy Young vote. Mm-hmm. He asked the question, ought, uh, ought offense be considered, a pitcher's offensive contributions be considered in the Cy Young voting? Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because uh, team level WRC plus team level WRC plus the Giants are first at thirty, uh, which pitchers. is terrible, but thirty is fine for pitchers. Uh, in second place, the Mets at nine, and then the Reds at negative six. Goes down so, quickly. Yeah, it goes down quickly. The Rockies bringing up the rear at negative forty. Classic Rockies move. Classic Rockies. Yeah, Giants have seven pitcher home runs. No other team has more than two. I mean, it's almost all Bumgarner, but still. I mean, now they have him and they have Leak. It's, it's uh, they got a lot. They got a lot going on. on yeah, and Hudson, as you mentioned too. Anyways, and Hudson, although he's kind of been phased out of the pitching staff for the most part, but yeah. Hmm. Oh wait, well, did you write about Tim? Did anyone write about Tim Lincecum? And his hip? Yeah, well, he's gone for the year. You want to? Would you like to write a speculative piece on, on where 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 he'll be next year? San Francisco probably. Oh, is that wait? Is that really happening? Oh, I, I mean, I was... don't know, but I, I, I mean, he's a free agent, but I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him another one-year contract, seeing how he is on the other side of it. He's how much, prob- how much is that contract worth? Do you think? Not very much. Heavy on incentives based on games started. I'm going to guess, but I don't know. Pretty one year, seven million, eight million. Would you prefer your contract with uh, Fangraphs to be incentive laden? Uh, what are the incentives? Well, I, I mean, it would just be more cash. But then it's less guaranteed cash? Yeah, but we'll say if you hit the incentives, then you have a possible to make more than you'd ever be guaranteed. Uh, I think that if you have incentive-based blogger contracts, then that's going to lend itself to a lot of clickbait and crappy articles. Mm-hmm. So, but then I guess that would be good for Fangraph's business, right? Because that's, that's more traffic because you have stupid Yeah, more, are, more traffic short-term, but... Do you, don't you have sort of a? Uh, I'm not going to use the word brand. <laughs> Do you have uh, editorial integrity to uphold? Don't you think there there must be something to that, right? If people can trust that they will be reading something that has been, uh, you know, considered, mm-hmm. that, that they're more likely to come back, even if, you know, I mean, listen, I click on a lot of posts that say like. 
here's how hot are the 20 hottest female tennis players. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, yeah, she's pretty hot. Uh-huh. And then I move on. It's a, it's not a part of myself about which I'm very happy. I'd like to make that perfectly clear. I don't support my decision either before and during or after I make it. This is a part of uh, – there was some some disagreement when I was in my waning days with Espionation where they – were really in the process of trying to build up their brand and trying to uh, get people to basically focus on the traffic numbers more. This is like the height of search engine optimization headlines and, and all that stuff. I don't know what's really going on because Fangraphs doesn't push that kind of business, but I know that Espionation was all about building an audience, and then I kind of figured, well, it's more about building a loyal audience that trusts you and, and will come back. And it seems like so much of what different websites, and I don't want to think a lot of explanation here, but uh, what a lot of websites want to do is like almost trick readers into coming to their site, which just by, whether that's by literally tricking them or by just causing their thing to show up first in Google search, uh, and that's fine because it, it gets you traffic, but I don't think that it builds any sort of quality traffic because people don't care about the website that they clicked on. They just went there because it showed up first and they got their information and they left. And I don't really see a whole lot of Maybe I'm an idealist. I don't know, but it, I don't see a lot of value in in those people who show up to your place because that's just where they got. I think it's more important to have people go there because they want to, and I think that's one of the good things about Fangraphs is I think, for the most part, people don't go to Fangraphs unless they, they want to. Yeah. We actually did. Uh, it appears as though we've gotten rid of certain ads we had at the bottom of posts. Yeah. We had like a row of three or six or something that was like uh, it was it was the sort of you see them everywhere. They're yeah. Like uh, check out these yeah check out these are the fifteen strangest things you can see on Google Earth, and uh, I would click on those all the time even though they, <laughs> and again they're poisonous. Yeah. Um, they they appear to have gone. I did know we had a uh, it looks like we might have gotten rid of it. We had a uh, uh, today we had an invasive, a disruptive Bernie Sanders ad. <laughs> it does this thing where it pulls it down it pulls the page so you have to watch the video yeah um i i let appleman know though yeah I yeah those are those are terrible people complain about those yeah well they, they are annoying so i it seems fine to to be upset by them yeah absolutely oh uh yeah just let people read but don't use ad block we need that to live we need ads i mean not ad block yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's fair. People, listening audience, please do not use ad block or else we will starve to death. Yeah, we'll be, yeah, we'll be in a yeah. ditch. Old. I don't know where I could find a ditch. Um, all right. Before we go, I'd like to remind everyone if you have any, uh, if you have any clues that could, uh, <laughs> lead one to, um, a work visa for his wife in Montreal, Canada, which I regard as one of the great cities. Uh, don't hesitate to contact me at carson.sestouli at fangraphs.com. She's bilingual. Perfectly. Uh, Jeff, do you have any announcements? Any way you could uh, lean on lean on the people? Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, well, I'd like to thank you, Jeff. I'd like to commend you for having completed your obligation, fulfilled your obligation to Fangraphs Audio. Did I have an obligation? Well, you said yes. No. Oh. All right. I guess that that's consent. Okay, this is the end. You ready? 
Yeah, let's do it. This has been Jeff uh, Sullivan, a contributing editor to Fangraphs. This has been Carson Distilly, podcast host for Fangraphs. Um, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. Wait, no. I'm no. I'm Carson Distilly, <laughs> and this has been Fangraphs Audio. <laughs>